Hey everybody, welcome to another uh, podcast episode. So today we're going to talk about position on the bicycle, uh, incorporating certain muscles over others, and uh, conserving energy, basically everything along those lines. Now, I've kind of avoided the subject for a long time. It's To me, it's a relatively simple subject, but it's something normally bike fitters talk about and something they deal with more than just about anybody else because depending on where you are on the bicycle, forward in the saddle, backward in the saddle, uh, your cleat position, a number of factors control what muscles you're using on the bike. Uh, Just recently, for an example, the time shoes that I reviewed um, allow a cleat position that is pretty far back and that allowed me to use more of my leg muscles than I was using previously. Um, I had a problem actually where the calf muscle was being used too much and the quads were being used too much. All I did was move back the cleats and now here I am using more hamstrings, less calf, and uh, getting just a better ride. Hey, don't bite me. Cat bit me, sorry about that. Don't don't bite. Don't bite. Anyway, uh, so really, you don't want to use one muscle too much. Imagine powering your bicycle only by using your calf muscle or only using your quad muscle not anything else if you use one muscle you're going to fatigue way quicker than anybody else in the peloton so it's better to try incorporating as many muscle groups as possible Uh, when you're horseback riding you're actually using muscle groups that you barely use in any other kind of exercise Um, And those are leg muscles, by the way. I'm talking all about leg muscles right now. And um, so realistically, when you're riding the bike, uh, you're not going to notice these things right away unless you are really keeping an eye out for it. Some people are better at this than others. But most of the time, you're going to notice it after hours and hours in the saddle. And you get off and one muscle is cramping your quads or your calves, uh, for some strange reason, some people even their hamstrings. Now, once you notice these pains, you should instantly be thinking, wow, I could be having so much more energy. I could be having a lot less fatigue, a lot less cramping. Uh, How can I fix that? Now, for me, I had no idea. I was thinking small bike frame, smaller bike frame. Maybe that's gonna fix it. Let's try that. When I got a hold of my bike fitter, I said, you know, I'm coming back to Taiwan pretty soon. Um, let's try a smaller frame. I said, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know if that's gonna solve it, but yeah, we can try that. And uh, so I still haven't switched frames yet. Money's always an issue in cycling. But what I did is uh, I finally started using those shoes that I reviewed a long time ago now. And um, as I stated, they, there's a trend recently in uh, cycling shoes where they're starting to allow further movement backward in the cleat because most of these racers are all fully maxed out in the back. Uh, not a lot of people are, are using the full forward position. 
So, uh, thankfully, a lot of shoe manufacturers uh, got together and said, we need to allow further movement backward. I mean, if people don't use the most far back position, but they already are not using the most forward position, at least the option is there. On my time shoes, compared to my Northwave shoes, the cleats, um, yes, they allow a further back position, but the difference is not that extreme. If I held up the two shoes together, you might not even notice that there's a difference. Uh, but when I'm riding the bike, it's, it's enough of a difference where when I push down on the pedal, instead of using just my quads or just the calf or even primarily either of the two, I'm incorporating more of the hamstrings, I'm incorporating more of these uh, smaller muscle groups as well, and I'm generating more power. I'm getting more endurance. I'm feeling a lot more lively after the ride. Uh, I did a couple other things too. I mean, I, I changed my diet, cutting out caffeine, uh, trying to cut down on anything um, deep fried. So, I mean, there's more factors than just that. So, what we're also talking about is Q factor. Q factor is another thing that I changed recently. And that is... Um, having your pedals further outward or further inward in relation to the crank arms. Um, now, a lot of people are thinking, you know, why do you want that? And what's the purpose of it? Blah, blah, blah. So for me, uh, my legs were kind of crooked. When I would push down on the pedal, they would bow kind of outwards and come back in. Um, it was not a fluid motion because my cube factor was a little too tight. Uh, and that was another reason behind the cramping and the strain. I'm a pretty broad guy. There's no getting around that. Now, if I'm on a time trial bike, yeah, I can bring the cue factor in tighter. Um, I might even use muscle groups that I don't normally use, uh, just to save my other muscles. Uh, but... It, for a lot of us, our time trial positions are not sustainable. We're not going on a Grand Fondo distance on a time trial bike. Who Who's doing that? Like, I, I don't think anybody is. So these time trial positions we're talking about are just the most extreme, aggressive, uh, tight, aerodynamic positions humanly possible, uh, or f even physically possible. And they don't relate over to the road bike as much. Uh, look at aero bars, for example. How many people are putting their handlebars that tight together? Very few spacing. Um, I believe his name was Graham Obrey. You can watch a video. There's one person that did do it. Uh, the entire handlebars were very tight on his track bike. But for most of us, we're outside, we're riding extremely long distances. We want something that is purely sustainable. So what you want to do is minimize drag, uh, increase aerodynamic efficiency. You want slightly narrow handlebars. You want, 
you know, the Q factor to be as diminished as possible um, and, and things of that nature. But when we're talking about sustainability and when we're talking about producing power and um, a good combination of the two, sometimes you have to give one or the other. So what I'm trying to say is if you're like me and you have a broad body, it is entirely possible to have a tight Q factor on your time trial bike and just kind of give it up a little bit on the road bike. Uh, And when we're talking about the Peloton, how much drag do you really think the Q factor is creating when you're behind or even wedged in between many riders? it's extremely diminished and we're talking about millimeters and uh, at the most maybe like a a centimeter of difference in fact I believe my time cleats increased the Q factor by three millimeters uh, just by switching it around now so you're not losing that much aerodynamic advantage if your body is narrow if you're more genetically genetically designed for cycling as I stated in my last uh, podcast episode then you can go with something like a really really tight Q factor on your everyday uh, road bike but for most of us we're going to need uh, to adjust some things for comfort adjust some things to incorporate all the muscles and in the end um, if you can naturally produce let's say 260 watts and it feels how 195 watts felt before then why not you're producing more watts you're feeling more comfortable and it's sustainable if you can sustain higher watts go for the more comfortable position because at the end of the day let's look at um watts per kilo uh the formula a lot of people use for going uphill fast You know, bringing down how much you weigh so you go uphill faster. Well, there comes a point in your weight when you you lose so much and you have trouble um, with energy, with with going up because you you just deprived yourself more than you should. Now, the same thing kind of happens with the flats and the downhill sections. You can gain a ton of aerodynamic advantage. I mean, theoretically, let's say you you chop off your arms. You don't have arms anymore. You're more aerodynamic, but you just lose a ton of ability on the bike. So um, going back to the watts per kilo thing, though, producing more power uh, is always going to take precedence over very small marginal gains. If you have two riders, one's producing 260, one's producing, let's say, uh, 240, and they're both going straight and they're both in the wind, the one producing 260 is probably going to cross the line faster, let's say over a small distance, like a a kilometer or five kilometers. And as I stated before, when you're putting the Peloton in, you're putting other riders in, that also has a huge factor to do with it. So, 
we talked about the legs. Now talking about everything else as well. Um, narrow handlebars are more aerodynamic because you're getting your body into a tighter position. But when you look at some riders, they go too narrow and they start to bow out their elbows and they lose that aerodynamic advantage by creating a parachute effect instead of keeping their, their elbows nice and tight. And the reason they're doing that is because they're having difficulty breathing. They're trying to puff out their chest so that they can breathe a little bit better. So a lot of riders usually go, um, they get handlebars that are uh, the ball to the other ball of their shoulders. And I think they add like two centimeters on top of that. That's a usual, uh, that's a typical formula a lot of people use. But you're gonna need to see what's comfortable. If you can go for the narrow handlebars without bowing out your shoulders, go for the narrow handlebars. Uh, me personally, I run 42s. I'm probably gonna go down to either 40 or 38 even. Uh, I think 40 is a more conservative um, handlebar for, for, for me. And when we talk about position, it also has to do with leverage. A lot of people are saying if you have wider handlebars, you can leverage the bike up more. But for, for a road bicycle, that's honestly not a prime concern for many people because think about it. Which position are you in more? Are you climbing out a saddle or are you in, in the saddle? Even a lot of people are saying if you can uh, produce the same power that these other riders are while they're out of saddle and remain in the saddle, you're gonna gain that aerodynamic advantage. So realistically, What's the point in the leverage if you're not using it? So, honestly, I would say go for the slightly narrow handlebars, but don't go too much that you can't sustain it. Um, and sustainability is what we're talking about this entire entire time. Um, you gotta train your uh, core muscles, doing planks, uh, sit-ups are okay, but they strain the back a little too much. And when you have a good core, you can get in that low, nice aerodynamic position, uh, which is long and low. And um, that's what I've been going for with my recent design on my bike, my recent position. So I think we discussed position as much as we can. The legs are honestly the majority of it, trying to incorporate as many muscle groups within the legs as possible, from the calves to the hamstrings to the quads, and um, even those weird muscles on either side. If you can incorporate more muscle groups, you're going to be able to endure longer than other riders. Um, as I stated too though, you cannot neglect your core muscles. and. Overall, you need something that's comfortable. So I hope this video, or excuse me, I hope this podcast helps somebody. If you haven't checked out my YouTube channel for some reason, go ahead, check it. It's Troy Long Cycling, and uh, I'll see you guys next time.